0: This is the Lost Mountain Baptist Church podcast. We exist to help all kinds of people find and follow Jesus. For more information about service times, giving, and upcoming events, check out our website, lmbc.us. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Fantastic. It's great to see everybody on this rainy morning. You were probably not expecting me to be up here. I was not expecting me to be up here until 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon. I was in my house swapping out some smoke detectors. I don't want to give the wrong impression because I don't do home maintenance things. That's just not me. I hire people to do landscaping and home maintenance things because that's the way I prefer it. I tell people all the time, if it's above 73, 75 degrees, I have no reason to be outside. But I will be honest with you guys, I am, running, I am riding the struggling bus this morning because I figured out that I would probably be having to preach this morning around 1 o'clock yesterday, and it was confirmed when we met together for the newcomer's night out last night. I got the text from Matt saying, hey man, it's all you tomorrow hope for the best. (laughs) But with that said, um, I would like to have the opportunity to pray specifically for our pastor and his family, because here's what's going on. As many of you know, they moved into a new house finally. After a year being here, they've settled into their own place. But as soon as they started moving stuff into their new home on Thursday, It was like chaos struck their house. Zeke went down with a stomach virus. Matt followed soon after. He said, hey, don't worry. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be there tomorrow. If you know anything about Matt, that's sort of his thing. He's like, I'll be fine. I'll just shake it off, rub some dirt on it. But for sure... He let me know last night that he would not be in attendance today. So I want to take just a moment to pray specifically for our pastor and his family that whatever is in their house would be removed in the mighty name of Jesus and they would be restored to health very soon and be delivered back to us so we can continue on the work that God has called us to here at Lost Mountain. So, if you would, would you bow with me in prayer this morning as we pray on behalf of our pastor? Father in heaven, there is nothing that escapes your attention. You have seen the outcome of this morning's service, but right now we lift up Matt to you. We lift up Zeke to you. We lift up Karis to you. We lift up all of the other family members that you would protect them from any sickness that might come their way under their roof this week. We pray for a supernatural restoration of their health in this moment, that you might bring them back to us completely healthy and ready to go and ready to fulfill the gospel mandate that you have called us to here at Lost Mountain. So we lift him up specifically to you in these moments, and we just pray, Father, that in this time together, we would be able to look at this idea of why, church, what does this mean for us? Does it have any bearing on our lives whatsoever meeting in this place Sunday after Sunday? So fill this room, Father, with the presence of your Spirit and teach us only things that you can teach us. I pray for every heart in this room today. As I pray week after week, we are all coming from a host of differing circumstances. Some things you have given us direction on and we know how to proceed with them, but some things it feels like we're in complete darkness surrounding those things. So I pray for everybody here coming from those various circumstances today that you would accomplish your purpose in their life and you would let them know that you are very near to them and you care about them deeply because they were created in your very image. And if they are a born-again believer in which your Holy Spirit dwells within them, you are in the business of transforming them into the likeness of your Son. So let us hold on to the hope of that. So, Father, as as the rain continues to fall on this place today, I just pray that you would envelop us with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit to change us, to mold us into the image of your Son, and that we would walk out these doors changed to make an impact for your glory upon the earth as it is in heaven and we pray this in the name of Jesus together. Amen. Woo! I love it. I love that new song we sang. Instantly, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, pops into my head, right? But now we're royalty. Some of us don't realize the positioning that we have in Christ. If you are found in Christ this morning, you are positioned in such a way to where you are the royalty of God himself. And that should alter our perspectives on the way that we look at our lives and on the way that we interact with people. And how the gospel should be something that is fresh on our tongues every opportunity that we have to speak it to someone specifically if you can go ahead and make your way over to Matthew chapter 16 and I'll be honest with you I was dealing with a a little bit of what Matt was talking about last night so I'm going to go ahead and let you know the band is close by there is a trash can off stage with my name on it just in case I need to run off But uh, if that happens, don't be alarmed. Everything's okay. We're going to make it through this just fine. And so bear with me this morning. But let's go ahead and dig in to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to be kicking off in verses 13 through 20. And then we're going to jump over to chapter 18 verses 15 through 20. Now, love it or hate it. One of my favorite sitcoms, and you can ask the majority of our staff here at Lost Mountain, one of our favorite sitcoms is The Office, hands down. U.S. version, it just does something to us to make us laugh constantly. It doesn't matter how many times we watch it, we're laughing at the same things over and over again hysterically. And one of my favorite episodes of The Office is called The Convention. And it's when Michael Scott and Dwight Schrute make their way to a mid-region paper sales convention because they work for this mid-range paper company known as Dunder Mifflin, for those of you that aren't familiar with the show. Uh, something you need to know about Dwight Schrute and Michael Scott's characters, they are the most awkward individuals that you could possibly come in contact with. But if you haven't watched the show and you were to watch an episode and to see people like Michael Scott and Dwight Schrute, you would be able to emphasize with whoever is around them because you know people that are just like that. Okay? And so they get to this convention. And they're talking with a former colleague that used to work at their branch of Dunder Mifflin named Jim Halpert. And Jim Halpert has this little inside joke going with his boss. And Jim says, oh no, sorry. They're trying to bring Michael up to speed, but it's not really working. And uh, Jim Halpert says, oh no, sorry. It's an inside joke. There's this, uh, uh, you know what? You just have to be there. And Michael Scott responds with just this brilliant line. I wish I was. I love inside jokes. I'd love to be a part of one someday. (laughs) And so the message today is tentatively titled, I love church. I'd love to be a part of one someday. So as we kick off this sermon as to why church, we're going to take apart our mission statement here at Lost Mountain in the coming weeks. And we're really going to invest a lot of time in what is this that we're doing here? do we legitimately believe that the spirit of god is present amongst us in such a way when we gather as the body of christ to where it should change everything about us to a wandering and questioning world that is getting further and further removed from anything having to do with christianity itself because There's no escaping the reality that this is a very transitional time in our world, in our culture, and everything. And it just seems like everything that um, might be uh, on the media or might be on various social platforms is all concerned with removing you from there being any sort of objective truth that you could specifically subscribe to especially Christianity in itself. And we gather to affirm the truths of the gospel week in and week out. You don't understand what's taking place as we sang songs this morning. Um, we didn't sing my favorite verse of it as well, but my particular favorite verse of that song, it says, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. This is what Jesus does for us. He regards our helpless estate by the shedding of his own blood for our very souls so that we can stand blameless before the holy and righteous creator and sustainer of the entire universe and he can see the sacrifice of his son that covers all all of our deepest, darkest transgressions, and even those things we want to forget about what we've participated in, but we just can't seem to do that. We understand, right, that Jesus became everything about our sin upon the cross. Anytime I have the opportunity to preach, you are going to hear from me 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him, God made Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What that verse says to me is that Christ became the sin that I abhor about myself. And he does the exact same thing for you. And we enter into this relationship with Him, but it doesn't stop there. Just because Jesus saves us, there are other parts to our salvation. There is initial salvation. This is the fact that we have entered into a relationship with Christ, and we have become regenerate believers. Regenerate meaning we have been declared righteous. We... um, our understanding that positionally we are accepted by God. That's our initial, initial salvation. We move on to progressive salvation or sanctification, that period in our lives where we are right now, where it will carry on for the remainder of our existence. And hey, progressive sanctification is a weird deal because instead of going like this, we as Christians seem to take different routes and we go into hills and valleys And we understand that there are a lot of back and forths in this particular area of our sanctification. But nevertheless, we are moving closer and closer to a dynamic and completely transformational relationship with Jesus to where we are looking like Him as much as we possibly can. We talked about this the last time I had the opportunity to preach it has a bearing on the way that you treat other people. It has a bearing on, if you'll remember last time, the people that wear their AirPods while you're trying to communicate with them in the drive through window, and you just want to be like, really, dude? What's going on with you? Can you help me out here? And it's just like, there's, there's something about The way that Jesus is transforming our lives in such a way to where we legitimately experience the fruit of the Spirit constantly being birthed in our lives. And so there's that progressive sanctification that is taking place. And then there will be the consummation of all things. Everything that has been sad in our lives is coming untrue. As some might say, we understand that upon that day, everything that was bad about our existence here will grow strangely dim in the light of Jesus's glory and grace. And so this is the progression that we're working towards as believers, and we experience that within the context of the local church itself so what is our mission statement lost mountain baptist church exists to glorify god by helping all kinds of people find and follow jesus through gospel-centered ministry and in the coming weeks matt's going to be breaking down that mission statement for us when he's back in the saddle but let me read that again Lost Mountain Baptist Church, we exist to glorify God. Our lives are set up in such a way to where we glorify Him by helping all kinds of people find and follow His Son through the gospel ministry that takes place in this church, in this local body. And so there's this relational intimacy and a shared identity that we experience as the people of God. There's a familial aspect to what we do here Sunday after Sunday. Did you hear how we were singing? It is well with my soul. And then you learned a brand new song and you picked it up like that. And then the voices just filled the room. That's what we do because Christians are a singing people. And we come in here Sunday after Sunday to rehearse the truths of the gospel together in song format, through the reading of his word, through prayer, through encouragement. These are things that we do as a church because on any given week, we are walking in this place bloody and bruised by everything that has happened out there. Don't get me wrong, this isn't a safe cocoon for us, but this is an opportunity for us to come in and to pray for one another and to encourage one another to go back and to live the lives of transformation that God has called us to live as we look more and more like His Son. And so there's this relational intimacy that takes place with the relationships that we have with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And there's a shared identity we experience as the people of God. So listen to this quote by Jonathan Lehman. He asks the question what is the local church? It's the institution that Jesus created and authorized to pronounce the gospel of the kingdom, to affirm gospel professors, to oversee their discipleship, and to expose impostors. And we're going to break down that definition a little bit this morning, but let's go ahead and look at Matthew chapter 16. Give me just a second to get there. Matthew chapter 16, picking up in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asks. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. What Peter is pronouncing right there is that Jesus is the anointed one. He is the promised Messiah that is to come into the world. And it's interesting, uh, back in verse 15, Jesus says, but what about you? He asks. who do you say that I am? Those you's right there in the original language are plural, but for those of us that have read our, our Bibles before, what do we know about Peter? He just kind of inserts himself in every situation possible, and so he's the guy that's like, I know, I know, you, you're, you're, the, you're the Messiah, You are the one that is to come into the world to save us from our sins. And in verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So let's, let's throw that definition back up there again. What is the local church? It's the institution that Jesus created and authorized to pronounce the gospel of the kingdom, to affirm gospel professors to oversee their discipleship, and to expose impostors. Let's talk about this idea of pronouncing the gospel of the kingdom. Look back in verse 16 right there of Matthew chapter 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He is the promised one. That is to come into the world. And Jesus goes on to say, Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. If you go over to John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. When we make that bold proclamation about you're the Messiah, the Son of the Living God, that is not something that is revealed to us by flesh and blood, but that is the genuine work of the Holy Spirit. It was about two o'clock in the morning, and I'm just about ready to crash. And I'm scrolling through Facebook because I'm one of those people, you know, that has to like wind down before they kind of drift off to sleep. Is anybody else like that? Like, you have to really, you, can, you have to pace yourself before you can go down. Other people are out just like a light. My wife is like that, but I'm just like, I need some time just to really debrief. But Uh, Even if it was like 2 o'clock in the morning where I was just exhausted, I still had to just kind of get in the bed. And so I did like everybody else does and start scrolling through Facebook. But what the deal was is I came across a Gospel Coalition article that was really kind of interesting because of people that are self-identifying Christians, you are finding a higher and higher percentage of, Of the ones that don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a legitimate person. They are not acknowledging that the Holy Spirit is a person that is a part of the triune God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's very intriguing for self-identifying Christians who have not been Through a grounded process of discipleship to fall for something like that because where are most of us getting our information from it's in various sources of media right the further and further we get steeped into this particular culture the less and less the reliability of the bible is that we consult on a given basis and so it's very interesting that self-identifying Christians with such a high percentage would be able to say something like, "I I don't necessarily believe that there is a Holy Spirit, when just a brief look at the Scriptures would say otherwise. And so that's very, very interesting, and it's very, very alarming, because that communicates to you and to myself that we need to be about the business of what's in here As opposed to what we constantly devote our attention to does anybody have the uh screen time things that show up on their phone in a given week that show you how many times or how many minutes and hours you've spent on your phone oh man it's ridiculous like there will be some times where it's like you spent a daily average of five hours and 43 minutes engaged with your smartphone. I mean, wow, that's a setting that you could turn on on your phone and it lets you know how pathetic of a person you are. That's really great. And so Apple has thought of everything, so it's fantastic. But man, like this tells us as members of Christ's church that that there is a particular source where we are to gain our information about who God is and what He has done with the human predicament. And we find that in the Scriptures. Because the Scriptures are sharper than any double-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and they're able to judge the thoughts and intentions of of the heart as it says in Hebrews 4:12. In other words, the scriptures are going to read your mail. And so it's best that we invest our time in something of eternal significance, something that's really going to matter. And so that's the pronounce the gospel of the kingdom. Simon Peter answered, "You are the Messiah, the son of the living God." <clears throat> My question to you and myself this morning, who do we say that He is? Who do we legitimately say that He is? In our conversations with people, are we giving explanations for people as to what the hope is that they might see in us? Is there something different about our countenance with the people that we engage with on a daily basis? This stuff matters. This stuff matters because there is a culture that you and I inhabit that is becoming further and further removed from anything regarding the things of God. And if, if he has called this whole thing into existence, he has control over when it's done. And he has entrusted us with the message of the glorious gospel that we have the opportunity to speak into people's lives in such a way to where we say, Spirit of God, do only what you can do. And allow this person to see that you are the only one that can usher in the change that is necessary for them to start becoming like your son. Another one says, to affirm gospel professors. Look at Matthew 16, 17. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father who is in heaven. We read John chapter 6, verse 44 just a minute ago, but He is the one that initiates. He is the one that draws us to Himself. Whether we hear about it in a particular church service, or we hear about it online, or we hear more about it through a particular study, or a small group that we're engaged in, Can I just be honest with you and let you know that the pressure is really off of you to save somebody? You don't do that. I don't do that. The Spirit of the living God does that. All you have to do is be obedient to tell. We've got new invite cards that are sitting on the welcome table out here, and it's such a great conversation starter. And they're smaller now, so they're easy to carry around with you, but literally I, I kid you not, like a pin or a small invite card that you're leaving on the table. Do you often sit at a restaurant with a group of friends, ask for your server's name. When the food gets out there, ask how you can pray for them. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised at what you hear. I mean, are we taking advantage of the day today day that we have opportunities to slide in the name of Jesus? Because He's transforming our lives from the inside out. So it only makes sense that we should let other people know about it. It only makes sense. And so if he's transforming us to look so much like his son, we want to invite other people to be a part of that. Just come and see. Come and see what God has done in my life. Come and see what he's delivered me from. You know that specifically about you. You know what you've been saved from. And as soon as I said that, something probably popped into your mind about a struggle that you've had for years. But you've seen God's hand in that, pulling you out of that devastation and claiming you for himself, saying, you are mine. And I will not let you participate in this type of destruction anymore. Because you belong to me. This is the God that we serve. He cares about you so deeply that He will not allow you to continue to participate in the frivolous things of this world that will never deliver. And there will be no return on the investment. He cares and he draws us back to himself those that are his another one is to oversee discipleship this is verse 16 or chapter 16 verse 19 I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is saying to Peter. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The keys of the kingdom are the proclamation of the gospel with an invitation to respond. When we receive the gift of salvation, the process of authentic discipleship begins. This is what I love about what Matt's doing with LM Institute, because we're hearing conversations that people are having to where they're just like, I've, I've never heard it explained like this before. I'm getting so much out of it as opposed to the things that I've heard constantly before. And we really feel like we're investing ourselves in authentic life-on-life discipleship, which is the way that it should be. A disciple of Jesus is one who is following him. Think about this as the head. A disciple of Jesus is one who is following him. You are exposing yourselves to the knowledge of Jesus in such a way to where it's transforming the way that you think about him and the way that you think about the scriptures that point to him. And a disciple Of Jesus is one who is being changed by him this is the heart aspect you're being transformed in such a way from the inside out to where you are looking more and more like Jesus every day and less and less about the person that you were before and so there's the head there's the heart aspect of discipleship and finally A disciple of Jesus is one that is committed to his mission. This is the hands. So the head, the heart, and the hands of discipleship saying, you know what, what I think about my life, no aspect of it belongs to me whatsoever because I gave up everything about my personal agenda when I entered into that relationship with you. And so I want to live my life in such a way to where my hands are open to the needs of other people, specifically to the ones that need to hear that there is a God that created them And that loves them and unfortunately has been separated from him due to everything that happened back in the fall of Genesis chapter 3. Where Adam and Eve decided, you know what, I can be my own God due to the deception of the enemy. And it's been a train wreck ever since. Genesis chapter 3 is something that we have never recovered from on our own. And so, this brings about the necessity of God inserting himself into the human predicament and saying, I am going to do something about it. The Son will come. He will be born of a virgin. He will live a sinless existence while he walks upon the earth. He will claim to be God because he really is, but he will suffer at the hands of the religious elite. And he will be crucified upon the cross. But what they don't understand is taking place is the perfect plan of God himself because that's what had to happen to deal with this internal struggle of sin that is so rooted and ingrained deeply within us that there's nothing that we can do to help ourselves. But what does he do? He was removed from the cross upon taking his last breath and uttering, Tetelestai, it is finished, or a more accurate representation, paid in full. Everything about our sinful state in front of the God of the universe has been paid in full because of what Jesus has done. And he was placed in a fresh-cut tomb, and you and I know the story. He wasn't resuscitated. He was resurrected from the dead. The firstborn of the dead, as it says in Colossians chapter 1. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father where he constantly lives to make intercession for you and myself. That's what I subscribe to. That's what I want. I want this more than anything. Than a culture that is so engrossed in itself. Saying the end all be all is me. And I get to choose what gender I want to be. And I get to choose what's best for me. And I get to choose... because there is no objective truth other than the individual and in what I want. I can't subscribe to that because it all, all it promotes is the destruction and the marring of the very image of the one who created that person. And so there's a right and wrong conduct for those who are in the kingdom. Jesus is telling Peter that he possesses the authority to exercise discipline over those who choose wrong conduct and that authority is now extended to the local church as well. This is where we get to a particular section of Scripture that we just don't like. Flip over to Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to begin in verse 15. This is under the subheading dealing with sin in the church. Verse 15, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. That's number one. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. 17. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. There it is again, verse 18. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. You and I have a difficult time understanding that we belong to each other as the local church. This particular local church, Lost Mountain Baptist Church. And I know there's been a huge staff turnaround and you're still getting acclimated to seeing new faces up here and new staff positions. But let me tell you this, this is where we're investing our lives as the local church. That means as brothers and sisters in Christ who have identified with Him in baptism and we now participate in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, proclaiming His death until He comes, we belong to each other. And you know what that means? That makes your business my business. And that makes my business your business so much so that biblically speaking i have free reign to come up and point out sinful behavior in your life and you have the exact same authority to do the same with me and this is something that is not popular (laughs) Because if you think about it, if someone gets upset over something that has been done in a particular church, what happens? I'll just go somewhere else. I'll just take my ball and go home, and I'll become that church's problem. But no, no, God has called us to more than that. He wants us to be involved in one another's lives in such a way to where there's this mutual admiration and affection for one another. I care about you in such a way that I don't want sin to continue to entangle you and to destroy you in such a way. So I'm going to call you out in hopes that you will repent and be restored. But he sets up something here. If they don't listen to you in private, take along a couple of other people. If they still won't listen to you, take it before the church. How many of us have, there might be one or two, but I would venture to say that most of us in this room have never participated in, in an act of church discipline being carried out in a biblical way. Because we just get upset and we end up leaving. Or we end up gossiping. Or we end up doing things contrary to the instructions that we just heard. And it's interesting when you make your way down to verse 24, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? I mean, that's something that we like to pray maybe at the beginning of the service because it it, it sounds nice. But if we're reading that in its appropriate biblical context, it has to do with church discipline. It has to do with sin in our lives that we have called out, but yet the person won't do anything about it. And so that is the context that that verse actually comes from. So what am I communicating to us this morning? I know that's heavy. But I circle back around to the reality that we belong to each other. Christ has orchestrated it in such a way We belong to each other. We encourage one another. We bleed with one another. We hurt with one another. We sit on the hospital bed with one another. We're at hospice with one another. Why church? Because this is is the hope of the world that Christ has set up for the mandate of the gospel to spread like wildfire. And I believe that it can do it again and again and again and again. If it's changing our lives, it needs to change the lives of others in such a way to where we say, come and see Come and see what Christ has done and is continuing to do in my life in such a way to where I can't even explain, but I'm no longer attracted to the things that I used to be attracted to. I can't explain it other than a work of the Holy Spirit that He is accomplishing in my life for His purposes. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 through 20, the Apostle Paul says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand. What the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. I love what took place in here today as we sang together. Man! We stood around and we affirmed the truth of the gospel to each other. We're hearing from the scriptures, we're praying. We're edifying and encouraging one another. This is what we're doing as the church. This is why church. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father in everything. In the name of Of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's an opportunity for us today. There's an opportunity today for us to respond in such a way. I'd like to invite you to kind of grab your connection card out. And you'll notice on the back several next steps. We point this out every single Sunday. We take time to read these. We, think, we, think, we take time to pray over the prayer requests that you jot down. But man, I, I really want us to consider some things about our own spiritual health and vitality. Are, are we just riding this thing out because it's a no, another social gathering for us to be a part of? Or are we, are we legitimately concerned about the way that we live our lives in such a way to where what we have draws another person in? Because there's such a hope within us and we can't help but speak about what we have both seen and heard and so maybe the next step for you is today I'm committing my life to Christ for the first time I don't know what it is I don't know our stories specifically I'm getting to learn new people day by day had lunch with Kermit Carmen, and Tom Lindsay on Friday best day of the week for me I know nothing about vehicles. There's another thing I'm not good at. I don't do vehicle maintenance either. But they were willing to set aside a day to help me. I mean, that's an extension of the church. That's using what they know to glorify God in such a way to, wait, to where they can help a younger brother out. And it meant more to me than they know. Last night we had a great time at the Newcomers' Night Out at Taco Mac in Hiram. I neglected to realize that there was so much college sports ball going on that uh, it was pretty packed. There's Penn State over here. There's Florida over here. David was decked out in his Florida gear. He was ready to go. Unfortunately, Alabama won, which no surprise there. I know enough about sports to know that Alabama is good that's pretty much it. But we had the opportunity to gather at Taco Mac, sure the wait might have been long, but you take this group of random people that have been coming to Lost Mountain and you sit them at a table and we just start having conversation with one another. And by the time we left, we're like hugging each other and shaking each other's hands like we're old friends. That's what it's about. It's about. inviting our brothers and sisters in for mutual admiration and encouragement and submitting ourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so, man, maybe you're interested in the next membership class. That's coming up October 9th. We're going to meet right in this room over here and we have the opportunity to walk you through systematically what covenant membership looks like here at Lost Mountain. There are expectations for covenant membership. And so maybe you want to check that box. This is not a, hey, if you're coming to this class, you are committing yourself to be a covenant member. Just come check out and see what it is. Learn about what the expectations are here at Lost Mountain. But make no mistake of it, for those of us that have entered into that membership covenant and are born again believers in the Lord Jesus himself who are being transformed into his very likeness from one degree of glory to the next, we belong to each other. And that means something in the here and now because it has implications for eternity. If you would please, would you bow with me? Thanks so much for joining us online at the Lost Mountain Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about service times, giving, and upcoming events, check out our website, lmbc.us.